Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Happy Halloween from Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's scary season around these parts, and we're happy to share it with you. You can text us, 704-570-9610. Fiddy shaking in his boots over there behind the ones and twos, 704-570-9610. Again, share your thoughts and comments on whatever you want to talk about. We got a couple of Halloween themes going for you. We got the music ready. Even if it is so radio cliche, we are going to deliver on anything music-wise. Valentine's Day, that's my favorite music day of the year. Halloween's another great one. Christmas music, we'll ride with it every once in a while. But this is the day I think we had a playlist last season and also Valentine's Day. That's I forgot when I how much really you love the uh, Valentine's Day playlist. Wes, I, I love the Valentine's Day playlist. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Valentine's Day radio is strong. But so is Halloween Day. Radio, even if Halloween Day is not really a thing. Here's another question. There's a couple questions I wanted to lead off with just real quickly before we pull up to the scene and get off the bus. We talked about it yesterday. Drum is back. Our leader of the research team, even if we this is what happens too, we'll have him do some research and then we don't actually go to him despite him having worked. And that's my fault as a driver. I apologize. Go scratch to Drum. yourself. That's what Drum was saying to me yesterday. He was getting a little feisty, but I do deserve all of it. Here's the thing, though. It, Drum is a freshman in high school, correct? All right. So he's a freshman in high school. And now it's the question, like, is he just a little too cool for trick-or-treating tonight? He said he's going to do it one more time. I don't know if I'm blowing your cover, by the way. Is that okay? Is this all good? All right. Drum gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> He said he's going to do it one more time, but about now is about the time that he's starting to fade out of it. Do you yeah. feel like freshman in high school is about that time? No, because you look at adults nowadays and they get more excited, I feel like, than kids do to dress up for Halloween. So now I think it's fair game for anybody. I mean, you see adults, they get super excited. But trick-or-treating, though, when you're doing the candy thing, this, this is, is this is different Halloween, than dressing the, the up. Adult tri- <laughs> the, the adult trick-or-treating is a little different. They it's, want bottles of uh, yeah. sauce. They, it's very different. At least yeah. I hope so. Because that's, at some point, the very thing we celebrate as kids, being trick-or-treaters, it becomes real creepy when you get to a certain point. If you're a grown-up yeah. and you dress up and you don't have any kids... Yeah. And then you start knocking on doors, oh, asking yeah, yeah, for yeah, Snickers yeah, yeah. and bite-sized candy yeah. pieces. I'm going to tell my 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 son, hey, don't mm-hmm. you go over they're gonna that ask, house. They're going to ask for a piece of candy, and I'm going to hand them a restraining order. Yes. Because that's weird at that point. Or just stand by the door with the police yeah, that's right. on, on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, yeah, that's that's 100% <laughs> true. So this is the question, yeah, is this, the is, is it okay for Trump to go trick-or-treating? I say absolutely one last time, I used to love trunk or treating as a kid because that's where all the real candy was. Usually it would be a local church, 
and then you'd have everybody show up in the parking lot, and then they would hand out candy out of the trunk. Ah, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen those before. And so because they have the setup, you got to think you're going to the place in order to hand out great candy, and that's where, at least in Catawba County, Lord knows, man, Lord knows. You go to the church, Halloween, everybody's going to make sure you have a great time. And so that's what it was. Yeah, that's good. And and, and I feel like it's always safe, too, man, because you hate it. Like you said, I mean, not to, you know, go down that path, but I mean, just people doing stupid stuff. You talk about spooky. Now they got the stuff out there, the Skittles that are fentanyl and all this wild stuff, man. So I think those trunk of treats that you like, they're good and safe. He was eating that spin. Yep, eating that spin. Got your pack of spin. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Myron Goodman also brought up the other question. It's another one I wanted to ask to the people. The scariest thing. What is the scariest thing in sports? Mm. Among the scariest things in sports. Myron Goodman wrote in, the scariest thing this year is watching a Gene Chizik defense. Oh. Happy Halloween, boys. Uh, <laughs> I got a few of them on here as well. Do you want to pull up to the scene? Yeah, and then pull roll up to the right, scene, right. baby. Mr. Bus Driver, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! All right, you can give me the the sound of approval or the denial here, Fitty, if you want to. I have a few that I'm going to roll with, and you guys can tell me if it's true or not. I went with scariest things in sports. I went with a couple of athletes that I think of first and foremost on the football field. And Dominican Sue and James Harrison. A couple of the scariest things. Bad signal on Super Bowl Sunday. If it starts to get a little fizzy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you start to get the bad signal on Super Bowl Sunday. And then the commercials that act like your TV goes out just to get your attention. Not cool. That's a scary thing. Getting caught under the rim at the local Y Mm. with a dude who's unexpectedly athletic and he rises up and it's too late for you. You're going to get dunked on. Yes. Were you talking from experience there, Walker? Nope. I plead the fifth. The next one. With the 11th pick, the Charlotte Hornets select. And the last, the last, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely keep it rolling. And the last one, when Scott Fitterer sees a cornerback on the trade block. I those, like that. Those are the scariest things in sports for me. Which one do you have, Wes? Uh, I got from? a few of them if I, if I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, please do. That's the point. Carolina, the Panthers, their offensive line. Very scary. Uh, Mitch Griffiths from Wake Forest dropping back to pass. Yeah, that's been scary this year. Uh, no, it's scary because something bad could happen. So I think I should get a ding. Uh, Nicole, Nikola Jokic suiting up to play uh, a game of basketball. For the opposition, yep. And uh, a Charlotte owner of a sports team. True. Very scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really it's really scary. Uh, Brandon Miller was scary <laughs> last night for the opposition. That he was. Too bad the product elsewhere was scary for the different reasons. The rest of the reason. guys didn't join in. Yeah, it was bad. We can move on. Tell us what the scariest things in sports are on the text line, 704-570-9610. We'll compile them. We will read them at some point, whether it be on the other side of the break or at the end of this segment. I did want to get to some Charlotte Hornets conversation, though, because they did lose last night, and they lost big, 133-121 to 121 against the Brooklyn Nets. What's the bigger story here? The fact that the Hornets are now 1-2 and two after this loss, over pretty quickly. Hornets tried to make it a little bit of a game in the second quarter. I think 58 to 50 is what it came down to. And that's as close as it got to illustrate just how bad this loss was. Defensively, they were not stopping. Very many people. Cam Thomas got going in the second half. Wes, what's the bigger story? Is it the fact that they lost 
they go one and two, they give up so many points, or is it that Brandon Miller has looked very good the first half last night? He went absolutely crazy. And you saying what's the biggest story? Um, biggest story. Hmm. That's a good question, but I got to go with the loss right now because they teased you a little bit after that opening game. You felt like that there was some goodwill there and you felt like that things were going to get off to a good start. And in the last couple of games, you've seen so many things that make you a little bit disheartened as to where this season could go. Uh, Hopefully they write the ship. Like a lot of people say, small sample size, but the shooting woes continue. We you know, can talk about that, too. We're blue in the face. This team is currently second in pace, but 20th in offensive rating. So they're playing real fast, but not doing a whole lot on offense. The shooting continues to be pretty terrible with everybody except Brandon Miller, who is at about 44% shooting. And he was struggling from the three-point line in the preseason, had only made one. But as soon as the regular season started, the guy was ready to go, certainly offensively. And Steve Clifford after the game. He Jeremy Lambed Brandon Miller. Mm. When you asked him, what did you think of Brandon Miller's performance? Steve Clifford said he was very good offensively. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Wanted to make that distinction. To be fair to Brandon Miller, nobody was good defensively. Not nearly as much as they should be when you allow 133 points. But the shooting for LaMelo Ball, we've got some people writing in right now that nobody's talking about LaMelo enough. Ron the Plumber, LaMelo could not even practice from February until preseason started. The bigger story is LaMelo was hurt for about five months and it never got out. Yeah, apparently somebody wrote in that Rod Boone wrote on the Charlotte Observer that we might have known about this, but it wasn't real public knowledge that he was only cleared about a week or two before training camp in the preseason started. And man, his shooting has been absolutely awful to start the year. And LaMelo is a good three-point shooter. We have enough of a sample size to say that, but he was 3 of 12 last night. He was 0 of 6 from behind the arc, not getting any better, hitting at the rim. Only eight points. He scored the least amount of points among all of the starters. In fact, he scored the sixth most amount of points if you include Brandon Miller. It's been tough sledding for LaMelo, and you're just hoping he gets going sooner rather than later. Yeah, his best field goal percentage since the season has started is the 26.7% he shot against Atlanta. So it has been uh, disappointing, to say the least. The assists are there. Uh, The turnovers are a little bit more than what you want from him, but it's still not terrible when you talk assist-to-turnover ratio. But yeah, LaMelo's struggling right now, and and last night's game was the type of game we're talking about, you know, with Brooklyn out on runs and uh, things like that. And your shot's not falling. You only get two free throws. And I've always gone by the phrase that ballers get to the line. And it's like, that's how you control tempo. If your shot's not falling, man, start attacking the cup and get to the line and, and get some easy buckets to get you going. He did in the second game. He did not in the third. Right, yeah. Only two free throw attempts from LaMelo. And so that's something you certainly hope to see continue from the second game. Not the loss, but the free throw attempts. What are the scariest things in sports? Text Weston Walker Show on 704-570-9610. That is the number to hit us up on, the text line. And then we'll come back with some Second Take Tuesday. And we'll read those very texts right here on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only 
at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. in sports. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll get to the text line. We got a lot of text. I want to read them rapid fire so we can get to some more second day, uh, second take Tuesday con uh, 10. I can't even talk today. That's scary. Me trying to open my mouth. It's been scary. I can't talk today on Wes and Walker. Uh, some of the scariest things. Chubb in a tub wrote in scariest thing. A handoff to Miles Sanders. From behind the line of scrimmage, mm. uh, behind the Panthers' offensive line as well. Carolina Brinks, the scariest thing in sports. It's the Charlotte Hornets' three-point shooting right now. No doubt about that. Mike from Mooresville, scariest thing about sports right now against the Panthers. The pass rush, it gets to Bryce Young, and he disappears in the pocket of humanity. All right, that went deep. Scary to see if he comes back out of it. Uh, we're scrolling, we're scrolling, we're scrolling. Uh, this one's a good one. 980 said, Deion Sanders' foot is pretty scary scary also jason pierre paul's fingers are too cute yeah <laughs> both are pretty scary i like this one from trey from downtown scariest thing in sports 15 dollars beers and you know it's the only option and you're not gonna not get at least one beer if you're there and so you're gonna have to spend the 15 dollars on the beer if you want to drink that's a great one from trey from downtown yeah. you got one wes uh, I do not. I did see Panther Bodo put on there and said, facing Big West Brian across the line of scrimmage back in the day had to get scary. I was going to say that one. That's one for last. Oh, Fitty might just find out how scary it is. That's why I'm going to cut block him when he's not looking. <laughs> I said it this morning. Yeah, and uh, Derek from Charlotte wrote in, my fear right now, the Panthers trade more first-round picks for mid-quality receiver who would be a two on any other squad. Yeah, I said cornerback on the trade block. Also, just run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road QB. That would be scary, certainly if Matt Rule was still a part of this. Yeah. Speaking of Matt Rule, here's some other ones that I have for you. When Matt Rule steps up to the podium, that's something scary. <laughs> Mac Brown with a cupcake game on the schedule. <laughs> when Smitty unexpectedly walks into the studio and confronts Fitty. <laughs> <laughs> a Mac dancing video. And, some, and something even scarier. Mac dancing video, including Willie P. Last one. James Borrego coaching a play-in game. <laughs> Just, I had to get that last one in, Fiddy. I had to get that last one in. You okay, can, uh, the Charlotte Hornets paying P.J. Washington $48 million. That's scary. Not <laughs> signing Kelly Oubre. Mm. Uh, yes, that's scary. Kelly, yeah. Kelly's been good in Philly. P.J. was good last night, though. He has not been hitting his three. But uh, did it translate to winning? It did not. Okay. It did. That's all that matters. No, it's PJ's fault. It's PJ's fault. Uh, actually, I would say it's not PJ. It's not Brandon, but it's a lot of other guys' fault. I got a few more. All right, let's go, Wes. What you got? Last couple. Uh, Clemson fans weren't having a subpar season. Mm-hmm. There, yes, the the call in to Tiger Dabble Calls. Dabo Sweeney on the coach's show. Call yeah. in coach's show. 
and uh, Steve Clifford trying to get the young guys to play defense. And Kyle Bailey standing outside of our door looking like uh, the leader of the children of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> That's Malachi Bailey out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, that, howdy there, y'all. Kyle yeah, Bailey here. Yeah. That, it seemed, that's what you hear right next to the cornfield, and you're about seconds from your death. It is Kyle right. Bailey in overalls. And he looks great and scary. At I mean, the same he looked time. like he was built to handle a chainsaw with what he's got going on right now. And this is how he greets the people. My wife and I have a lot of sex. We get busy and we stay busy. How do you argue with that man? You can't. Is it the overalls? <laughs> is that how it goes down? I guess so. We'll have to ask Kyle. You can text in when Kyle's on the airwaves from 3 to 6 p.m. Let's get to second take Tuesday after a win. A victory Tuesday, if you will. Wes, why don't you lead us off here with a a play that you had that you wanted to talk over? Well, when you talk about the first quarter, and I thought that one of the things that was ironic about this football game was the first time it happened was on a third and two for the Texans, but it also happened a couple of more times during this game with C.J. Stroud getting his passes batted back into his face, and a lot of people had the knock on Bryce Young that he was going to get his passes batted a lot, and it turned out to be the guy who was much taller than him getting his passes batted a lot in the game on Sunday. C.J. Stroud. Yes. That was the big problem with him coming out of college. Was he going to have the passes batted down? Yep, certainly that happened against C.J., and it was nice not to see uh, happen to one Bryce Young. All right, I've got a couple of plays that were on the same drive, actually, offensively. So I'll go with the first one here. The Bryce Young incomplete pass, deep right to DJ Chark. Chark dropped it, man. It was a dime, and he dropped it. And if you go back and look at this play, at least it didn't have a huge impact on the game because it was still a touchdown drive. They missed the extra point, but they were still able to score. But the Texans only rushed three on that play. Bryce escaped the pocket on the right side, threw a good ball to DJ Chark. Would have been a 35-yard completion. The exact type of completions that you expected from the receiver that you signed this offseason on a one-year deal, but he's not able to haul it in. I, I did think that when you're looking at Bryce, though, early on with this happening in the first half, Wes, this was the trend all game long. He was moving in the pocket, and he was throwing with accuracy no matter where he was, either within the pocket or when he broke it, or when he was rolling out to the right. Didn't matter if he was stepping up in the middle. You're going to talk about a play where he actually has to roll to the left as a right-handed QB and is still throwing dimes downfield. That was one at the end of that drive, or close to the end of that drive, where I thought, yeah, man, this guy, it doesn't matter. He's not just taking only these 10-yard shots from the line of scrimmage. No, that would have been a 35-yard reception if DJ Chark falls down with the football but he doesn't and it hit him right in both hands too like right in the helmet if he wouldn't have allowed it to hit himself in uh, both of those hands and so uh, even if it was an incomplete pass I thought Thomas Brown was taking a deep shot which was nice and Bryce Young was accurate delivering that deep shot Uh, I think one of the things that really showed his potential and really showed uh, what he's capable of doing when he's not necessarily thinking and playing robotic 
was uh, the 10-21 play on a second and eight. Bryce getting out of trouble. Chuba Hubbard gets absolutely smashed in front of him. But as you said in the fishbowl, he was in the way, and that's all that mattered. And then Bryce going downfield to find Thielen, who made a big-time 50-50 ball catch. And it was just another highlight for Thielen this season with the way that he's been playing. He got fired up when he got up, gave the team some juice. And then, like I said, Bryce made an awesome play that was near disaster, but he ends up turning it into something positive. So I don't know if you saw it on this play, too. It felt like you had to abandon the play action because the rusher was closing in way too Raymond. fast. And so so he's coming down. You have to abandon the play action. Chuba knows what time it is. Good for him to just be in the way. Yes. And and it, he didn't get run over like Jalen Peter did to him. Um, or wait, no, that was the same play. You're talking about the same play. I apologize. Yeah. I was actually talking about uh, the touchdown throw. This play, that is when Peter just blows him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just, I, he's, he's in the way. That allowed Bryce Young to escape, but man, does he blow Chuba Hubbard up, but rolling to the left and throwing it downfield with that kind of accuracy. I guess if the defender turns around, maybe he makes a play on that, yeah. but he didn't, and he gave Adam Thielen a chance, and nice job to bring it in from Adam Thielen, too. Good pitch and catch, both sides there. Really like what I saw. Another play on the same drive that I was talking about. Let's go back to DJ Chark. Except this time, he actually hauls it in. This was the deep middle of the field shot to DJ for 20 yards. This was first and 10 from the Houston 38. Three minutes left to go in the second quarter. This play almost never happened. The play clock was at zero when the ball was snapped. But as you know, the officials, they will look at the play clock and then they will hear or look at the snap almost like a baseball umpire mm-hmm. looking at the bat looking at the bag and it's like you're going off the sound of the ball hitting the mitt and so they're looking at the play clock and then they look and see okay did they snap it even if there is that little bit of delay probably the flag should have been thrown but it wasn't so the play does happen even though it almost never did Thielen is in motion on the beginning of that play the defender follows him it's man coverage pretty good protection which the offensive line, we know it was not a great day for them. On this play, pretty good protection. Edge rushers go outside. Guards hold up enough for Young to step up in the pocket, and he keeps his shoulder square. So if you look at it, his feet weren't set because he's moving up in the middle of the pe- pocket. But, Wes, I think that's a hard throw. Like, when you're rolling out, I feel like you can get a little bit more into a rhythm, mm-hmm. and then you can be a little bit more loosey-goosey. But in the middle of the field, throwing directly in front of you while moving up, Then you have to get your shoulders square. Your feet are all kinds of hell. Like you've got your right foot behind you, but it's perfectly accurate going to DJ Chark to pick up 20 yards and set themselves up for a score to have a touchdown before they actually hit the locker room. I just thought that was yet a, he was damn good on that drive. If he gets time or if he gets enough space to maneuver within the pocket or outside, Wes, I just think it's going to be an accurate pass. If, if he gets time, then it's over. I, can the receiver get separation? Are they going to make the play? There are things that have to happen in order for it to be a good play. But if it's up to Bryce Young and he has space to maneuver or if he has time, then I think he's going to do everything you want him to. Yeah, no doubt about it. And also, too, when you talk about the ball placement, we saw several throws that were just really good pro throws. And like you said, especially when he gets out of that pocket, man, he knows just what to do with that football. I'm going to go to the defensive side. Uh, when you look at Brian Burns' sack, 545 uh, to go in the second quarter, and it was a third down play. 
And this was kind of a bittersweet play for Brian Burns because he goes unblocked. He ends up on Singletary, the running back, and he does basically what a 6'5", 6'6", 260-pound guy should do on a running back like Singletary. He gets through and makes the play. And so that's the thing about Burns. You can count on him getting that. We saw during this game, too, whether he made the tackle or not, that he got some plays where there was some busted blocking assignments. He gets through, blows up the play, may not have finished said play. And then on this particular one, when he gets the sack, it's like, yeah, we're used to that. But where is the dominance down in and down out where you can just put on a plethora of moves on attack and just make yourself really, really hard to deal with? Like Jonathan Grenard was doing all afternoon long with all of the moves and all of the technique that he displayed uh, during that football game. Yeah, do you think Grenard, I, look, Icky's been bad in a couple of games already in the regular season. Feels like Grenard had the best single game against him. Felt like Grenard had yeah. him shaking in his boots, man. Not to say that it was, you know, scary for Icky. It's a strong guy, but it felt like he was off balance because of the speed rush, and then Grenard turned that into power, and it felt like that's how Grenard got one of his other sacks against Bryce Young. It was a bad matchup for Icky all day long. Here's another play. Let's just go to the fourth down conversion. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen is the one that ends up with it. I didn't know if Bryce Young was throwing to Adam Thielen on fourth and two. The critical play at the end of the game to lead them to an Eddie De Niro field goal. Miles Sanders, you like Eddie De Niro? You didn't like that? Maybe shouldn't call De Niro with the missed extra point. Whatever, I went with it anyway. But Miles Sanders, in breaking <laughs> route from the outside, I thought it might go to him, but he shouldn't have been there in the first place. It was a wild-looking play, no question. Woo! And it, it looked bad. And Frank Reich provided some clarity about this play. We have the audio from the head coach himself discussing how, no, Miles should not have been right there next to Adam Thielen. There was a miscommunication. And so hats off to Adam for, you know, because you're, you're breaking out, expecting the ball on time. And then all of a sudden you see Miles running at you. And it could be a big time distraction, you know, to both to both Adam and to Bryce throwing it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but Adam had great concentration, was still able to make uh, make the play. That sounds like to me like we really would like to trade you, but I don't think we'd be able to do it this year. I just, I w you know, if we want to bring <laughs> the alternate universe here. Okay. Can you imagine if Miles Sanders gets in the way, reaches out for that football, deflects it to the point where Adam Thielen can't haul it in, and the Panthers lose, and they're moving on 0-7. Boo his ass! Mm. Boo his sorry ass! <laughs> because of a mistake like that, to run the wrong route. I Yeah, he he didn't make two mistakes, which the second one would have been trying to catch that ball. Just living the alternate universe. This is sports, though. It's what's crazy, right? You're talking about, what, feet. You're talking about a foot, maybe of Miles Sanders just being one more step into his route of him being in the way of that Adam Thielen reception and the Panthers losing that game. That was another play worth the second look. Yeah, and then the last play I'll go to on defense was your boy Dante Jackson, man, coming in there, sticking his neck in the play, but coming in there and scraping that football out that Xavier Woods recovered. That was a ginormous play for the Panthers as far as momentum is concerned. And Dante Jackson, like you said, he does get injured a lot. But one thing I will give him credit for is whether he makes the play or not, uh, he isn't afraid to stick his neck in there, though, and get some contact. And that's what he did in that play. He got right up in the mix, got that hand in there, and made a big play for his uh, football team. It's, it's what's wild about Dante, man. I Look, he has not been good this year. Dante Jackson, to me, is a very willing tackler. 
it does not mean that he is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> but he is not a consistent one. I do not think he's afraid, though, which you love. You love a small corner like that being so aggressive, but he whiffs a decent amount of time. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the un, the, the, the discipline in the secondary that has hurt him. But good game. Hey, all, all celebration for what Dante did against Houston. That was by far his best game of the season. That'll do it for Second Take Tuesday. We'll bring on Willie P in a moment as well as Charlotte FC's season comes to an end. We'll get to him in just a moment, but not before we go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. Well, as you guys know, it is NFL trade deadline day today, and the Commanders and the Bears have made a pretty sizable trade. As Washington will send defensive end Montez Sweat to Chicago for a 2024 second round pick. So this makes back-to-back days. NFC East teams have traded out pretty important defensive line players. The Giants send Leonard Williams to Seattle, which has Wes all hot and bothered about the chances the Seahawks win the NFC West. And now Chicago, a two-win football team, trading to get a pretty... Uh, pretty respected pass rusher from Washington. We knew Washington was going to be looking to be sell selling after Sunday's defeat, and it appears that sweats the guy, not Chase Young. Yeah, and they talked about their money situation on that D-line, too, and they were saying how they needed to trade either one of the other between Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and they could end up trading both of them. So we saw that first piece go uh, in Sweat, and so he should go over there and help the Bears. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, and it was uh, with Mina Kimes. It's the Mina Kimes podcast. It's featuring Lenny, by the way. Fitty, not sure if you knew that. It's her dog <laughs> that's featured on the title. And they were talking about Montez Sweat actually having really good advanced stats. But the problem with Montez Sweat compared to a guy like Chase Young, who eventually Washington chose Chase Young over Sweat in this deal, it's that Chase is all about getting his, getting to getting the sack, which is a good thing for the team. And so you want him to pin his ears back and just get after the quarterback. But Montez Sweat actually plays with the discipline of containing edge and making sure that a QB doesn't escape the pocket. And so he sacrifices sacks. He's actually on pace for more this year than he ever has been. But I do wonder if this is someone that has explode territory. Like if, if because he was playing in that scheme and you had other edge rushers on that Washington defensive line, where all you had to do was contain and then funnel the QB to those other guys. I wonder if Sweat just starts to go crazy in Chicago. Yeah. Just an, an interesting breakout candidate. He's if, on a good pace so far with six yeah. and a half sacks. If the Panthers would have traded for Chase Young, it would be the young and younger show here in Carolina. I think that's an appropriate soundbite for that yep, one. Yep, that was good. Also, by the way. Maybe I the young and restless. Or sackless. Winless. One more time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the young show instead okay, of the gun stop, show. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. We're due for a break. <laughs> Willie P coming up next. Wes and Walker. <laughs> McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Scariest things in sports. The conversation continues. Colin Hoggard, the historian, walks in the Planet Kia Studios and gives us three bangers. Scariest things in Charlotte sports. When Panthers team leadership addresses the public with multiple shirt buttons undone. When the Hornets select someone from Indiana. And Charlotte FC lead with five minutes left. Bangers only for Charlotte FC. And with that. We shall go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome the very voice of said Charlotte FC team, Mr. Will Palachik. Willie P, you might know him as. You can find him on Twitter, at Willie P Style. They held on to a lot of those leads at the end of the regular season in order to make a postseason appearance, and so that was nice. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Willie, I did want to talk about something you mentioned yesterday, though. Are you sure that you did a better job with your candy selection for tonight's trick-or-treaters at the Pelagic household? Uh, I did. Uh, first of all, how dare Colin? That, uh, <laughs> that's not cool. Um, I did happen to see that a lot of uh, Hornet fans last night dressed up in some of the scariest things that I've ever seen in my life, which were Bobcat jerseys. Yeah, so, those uh, are scary, for sure. Th- that was very different uh, to see yesterday for the first time in a while. But, uh, but no, I-, I did make some adjustments. Um, to my candy selections. Uh, all I have uh, in my house right now are Reese's Cups, Crunch Bars, and an M&M's Variety Pack. Uh, those are the three selections that will be chosen from for the uh, little kiddos here in Rock Hill tonight. You know what? Crunch Bar, highly underrated. No, it's good. It's good. That's a good job. No, Nestle really. Crunch Bar is good, man. Yeah, and Fiddy is sitting here saying, oh, my God. No, it's a good, underrated candy Fiddy bar. Fiddy has no room to besmirch any candy because I don't think that man has ever seen a candy bar he's ever turned down. Fiddy, Fiddy, Fiddy does not need say, my help to sound like a moron. I was about to say the same thing. I don't think he'd turn down any if we had some in here right now. I think he'd be munching on them. That, that's right. That finger is not appropriate to hold up in front of drugs. It is not. What type of studio. example are you setting? That is Willie P on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, <laughs> joining us to talk about Charlotte FCFC's season. And Willie, now that the season has come to an end, what word best describes the second season of MLS play here in Charlotte? I think progress. I think just because of the fact that even though they didn't get a higher position than they were uh, last year, they did get one more point. Uh, they did get the one goal late, in the, and they got the late season form that I think they needed to, to try and push into the playoffs. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, to realize is that you know, playoffs uh, in the play-in round shouldn't be a summit for Charlotte FC. It should be, you know, a rest stop. It should be something that progresses something even more forward. I think it is definitely something you look at and say the fan base expects to be even further, to be securely in the playoffs going in uh, to next year. And I think uh, the moves will be made during the offseason to try and make that happen. We already saw uh, kind of the first little bits of uh, some options that were picked up and some players and others that uh, were declined. So, 
I think from the standpoint of Charlotte FC, they, they need to have a transformative offseason. It does look like that Christian Lotanzio is going to stay in place, and we'll see exactly how they go about trying to find more pieces to fit his system. But I do feel like, you know, some of the talent on this team has to be further recognized. And I also think that, you know, having at least something of a bit of stability year over year, I think is something they want to look at and try and see because, as we know, during the season, they had a bunch of different things from an adversity standpoint they had to overcome in terms of trying to get their best 11 on the pitch. Willie P., when you talk about the offseason and you said little moves are already being made here and there, is there like a big game hunting type of mentality with this team? Is there that player for them to be able to go out there and get to maybe boost their fortunes going forward next season? Well, I think the biggest question is, you know, what happens with your three DPs? And we've already heard about the the certain rumors about Carol Svidersky wanting to maybe test the waters in Europe. Uh, He said all the right things when pressed on the issue about, you know, wanting to stay here and make things happen. But I do feel like there is a a desire from people to try and get more out of those three spots. Those are the three spots on the team that you can spend the most for. There's no cap on those spots. And I look right at a guy like Camille Juzbiak, who had, I think, very good form in parts of the season, but I think in other parts, he struggled a bit. Uh, I think there could be a desire for either uh, Charlotte FC to buy his services down out of a DP salary spot and maybe get another player in here of quality. Uh, there obviously also is a scenario about whether or not Carol Svidersky or Enzo Capetti could coexist uh, based on the initial projections. I felt like they had some good moments early and even some good moments late, but in the middle, uh, you had Capetti with his injury and then uh, certainly some desire to, to kind of have both those guys uh, try to hog the spotlight a little bit. And I'm wondering how uh, the sporting department looks at that particular situation, whether or not they try to go for a different kind of striker under uh, the tutelage of Christian Latanzio. But I definitely think they are going to try and figure out how to best utilize those three spots because the, you're only as good in, in uh, at least your infancy as a club in Major League Soccer as the kind of development and an output you get from your designated players. And unfortunately, for Charlotte FC, I think they've gotten maybe good uh, output from one of those guys over the balance of their two seasons. They need to get those from all three of their spots, unfortunately. And so also, too, when you just talk about that game going back to the playing game, obviously you came into it expecting them to win. But when the game unfolded, did you just was it just bittersweet? Did you feel like that this was just uh, a situation that just everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for them? Well, I don't think Wednesday should define the season. I think that's the unfortunate part you get into with, uh, I think in the, in the moment, we obviously think about it being a, a very disappointing result. And I think it, it flatters, obviously, what New York Red Bulls wanted to do. Red Bulls is a team that, you know, over the course of their time, they've played a very uh, easy-to-define style. They love to press high, and they love to be a disruptive team. Uh, they're very physical. They play the ball a lot in the air. But the one thing they've added to the repertoire is they've been able to possess the ball now against a team of considerable quality, like, for example, the team that they played in the first round on Sunday at Cincinnati. You know, they have the quality to try and counter that and be able to at least uh, earn possession and get it back. And I think from Charlotte FC's perspective, they were not able to uh, create a lot of buildup. And that's the part that was very, very frustrating is that once they kind of got their sea legs underneath them in the game, you know, it was a lot more even. It was just unfortunate where you saw a guy like Elias Manuel get a couple of goals early and get one late. Uh, I felt like from Charlotte FC's perspective, he should have been a lot more prominent in the scout in that particular scenario. But I think when you're chasing a game, you have to stretch yourself a little bit more forward and it leaves you vulnerable on the back end. And so that's part of the reason why if Charlotte FC – 
you know, kind of found themselves in some disadvantageous situations. It was a lot of it because they had to chase the game so much early, and, and it put them in a scenario where winning the game was very much a difficult thing for them to do. And, uh, and credit the Red Bulls for, you know, playing their style, playing their identity, and exploiting some weaknesses in Charlotte FC's game that I'm sure Christian Latanzio, Zoran Cornetta, and the folks in the Brain Trust are going to try to alleviate and, uh, and try to fix over the course of this offseason. That is Willie Pumpkin Patch Palachik joining us, the voice of Charlotte <laughs> FC on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. Now, he's also a Renaissance man. He was out at the Spectrum Center last night watching the Hornets, unfortunately, drop their second game of the season. Brandon Miller performed well, though. Willie, what do you think is the story? This is the question we had at the top of the show. Is the story that the Hornets lost their second game, bad defensive performance, or is more of the story that Brandon Miller looks like the real deal? Well, I think the the Miller part is definitely an eye-opener for, for a lot of people. And again, I don't know if I necessarily was down on him as a player. I think I, I wonder about, obviously, the stuff going on off the court. But I, I never really questioned his on-court plaudits. But I'm very surprised at how well he's been able to adapt to the NBA early. Again, it's a very small sample size, but he leads all the rookies in terms of points per game. And he's increased his point total in each contest uh, that he's played for the Hornets. Uh, very, very encouraged to see what he's done. The problem is, He's had no one really to follow him. Uh, we've talked about the LaMelo Ball scenario where it seems like Steve Clifford has become very uh, candid about the fact that, hey, he hasn't necessarily been cleared for contact for a better part of a month. Uh, something that he spoke about a couple times in his pregame talks and I think really uh, expounded upon last night in postgame. Uh, same thing can be said for Mark Williams. Uh, both those two guys had to go, undergo very uh, complicated off-season procedures to try and get themselves back to play and uh, – it's been very hot and cold to see both of those guys play. And, and the unfortunate part about what Charlotte had to deal with last night is that the Nets did not really have much of a center presence to deal with. They played a lot of five out, which meant that Mark Williams had to be stretched out to defend on the perimeter, which is not necessarily his strength. And it definitely was something they were able to exploit. And uh, they shot it better than the Hornets. I think the, the three-point percentage, which uh, was definitely a big problem at a bugaboo last year, is eye-opening in a bad sense because – I think if you uh, if you want to win in the NBA in 2023, 2024, you have to provide some sort of uh, adeptness in trying to shoot the three. And unfortunately, that's just not where the Hornets' strength is right now. And when you don't get the defense on the other end, uh, uh, Brooklyn, because of all the missed shots, was able to get a lot of points in the run out. I think at one point it was 28-8 in the fast break points last night uh, in favor of the Nets. It's just not going to be a recipe for, for victory for the Hornets. So sometimes these mismatches are going to happen, and uh, you have to be able to you can hit shots more if you're Charlotte right now. That is Willie Pop Rocks and Pixie Sticks Palachik joining <laughs> us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, not only handing out the good stuff on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, but also doing so for the trick-or-treaters tonight. Willie, we appreciate the time, man, and uh, also congratulations on another successful season being the voice of one Charlotte FC. Thank you, guys. Always appreciate talking with you, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. That is the voice of one Willie P once more. We move on to the next hour, the one o'clock hour of Wesson Walker. As always, we lead off with the Campus Corner. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.